You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We're going through the series called Beyond the Signs, and this is our fourth week. Basically, today we'll, we'll dive into uh, another miracle or sign that was included in all the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Actually, they spoke of this and recorded this in, the, in their own Gospels, right? So if you're ready, this is the feeding of the 5,000. I want you to all stand and open your Bibles to John chapter 6, verses 1 to 15, if you have your Bibles with you. John chapter 6, verse 1 says, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they want. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Let's just pray. Let's just bow down our heads and pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, it is our desire tonight, Lord God, that you will speak to us. Lord, make us understand the miracle of the feeding of that 5,000. Lord, I pray that you will open our spiritual eyes that we may understand you, Lord God. Give us wisdom and revelation today. Holy Spirit, may everything that will come out from my mouth this evening, Lord God, come from you. Lord, thank you, Lord God, that you will minister to your people tonight. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. In 2008, uh, my, my wife and I, we had a, a chance to uh, do a 10 days mission trip, actually, to China. Okay? I know about China nowadays, they have some uh, issues with China, but uh, in 2008, there were no issues yet in 2008. But we were there, basically, to minister, to share the gospel, to reach out the unreachable you know they are actually atheists they don't know god they don't have a god and we had that privilege the honor to be there and we had a chance to go to this um uh, what they call an export processing zone okay this is where they have all the factories manufacture all the things in the world in fact all the things that we are using today comes from that zone okay and if you were, if you were with us, um, it was an amazing trip because we had um, 
we had a chance really to be invited by the owner of a factory that makes those novelty things, you know, the giveaways, uh, cups, mugs, pens, purse, wallets, everything. Everything, toothbrush, toothpaste, I don't know. But it was all there. So we had a, we had a privilege. So we went there, all of us. Um, we were about a six-man team. Uh, all girls except for me, my wife, and the, all the girls. It was quite uh, difficult. You know, you have to go through all the, you know, all the... The stories that they tell, but it's okay. It was mission strip, so we went there. Um, we were we were um, we were told that a van will pick us up from the hotel and then bring us all the way up to the uh, EPSA or export processing zone. And all the way going up, it was kind of getting weird because you know you were like uh, going to a place that you don't know where you're going. It's kind of like you know you you don't know if this will be the last day of your life. You know what I'm saying? You 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 know that fear. Ah, and you know the, our our interpreters, our people from that church, they were saying, you know, Pastor, did you bring your your passport? And I said, no, I don't have the passport. Oh no, they'll check the passport in the because they have you have an entry point going to that zone. And it was like there were armed men, soldiers. You know, it's a communist country, so we were there. But anyway, we we got past through that. They were just basically pulling my leg. They were just choking me. lang talaga. But we were able to go there, and finally we. We, we, saw, we saw this zone, right? This huge wall right in front of us. This high wall. It's like you're in a you know, prison camp. It's kind of like that. And no, no windows, no anything. It was so high. It's probably 20, 30 footer. I don't know. It was so high. And I said, you know, we were praying all together. This is it, girls. We die here or we preach the gospel. So that's what we did. We were there. But when it opened and lo and behold, it was the zone. And they had, they had um, sort of like barracks or dormitories where all the workers would, would, would um, stay and live there. They lived there. They, they actually worked there and they lived there. It's an amazing sight. We didn't know what we were you know, uh, to expect, but we saw basically about over 100 people come to this, to this um, meetup. And I, I really didn't know what to do. So what we did, we had a warm-up. You know, you know how it is. You want a warm up thing to let loose. You wanna, you have this warm up game, and we divided the the group into two. So fifty fifty. Basically, that was the group, and I forgot already what we played. But anyway, anyway, the game started, and the one that won was the the group uh, or the team where they had the owner with them. So there were about fifty four. Actually, I said, you know, if you have won, we have a prize for you. Everybody gets a prize. And they were all like, "Woo!" They were all, you know, they were all celebrating. So, so I said, "Come on, give the prize!" Because so, we had the keychains from the Philippines. You know, we, you know, those keychains that you get, right? So, you wanted souvenir, right? So we 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 went there. We gave there, having no idea that the only thing that only keychains left was about forty, something like that. Forty, and there were fifty-four. No idea. I had no idea at all. But they were there, and they were saying, Pastor. They were giving it out, right? You know, just like from that, there was this plastic, you know, bag, and they were all giving out this, this, this keychain. And then finally, it was number 40, 42, 45. There were like 40 keychains. And then it landed 50 until number 54 to the owner. And that was it. It's an amazing 
amazing story. I've never, ever, ever, ever experienced that ever in my life to see the multiplication of keychains. It's an amazing thing. I don't know for whatever reason that was. So Because, you know, I was confident that we had 54. They were not. I thought it was 54. But yeah, it was 54, right? But, you know, that's the, it's a miracle. And the story that we're reading, that we've just read today, is a multiplication of bread and fish. It was far more, you know, it's not the bread and fish, you know, there's only keychains. But this is like a miracle that was recorded in all four Gospels. It's so important that we don't want to miss this. That's why all of them actually recorded or witnessed this miracle. And John wanted us to see this and understand what it was. This is the, the actual picture. That was me. Um, there was about 100 plus of them. That, that was their like, cafeteria. And we did, we did that. But how many of you know when God provides, especially when you do His work, there is always more than enough, right? How many of you know that? That's who our God is. And I've actually basically made this into three parts. Okay? Our preaching tonight is in three parts. First, we're going to talk about the situation. All right. Then, next off, we're going to talk about the sign, the feeding of the 5,000. And lastly, we're going to talk about the significance of the sign. So if you're okay, that's what we'll do. We'll divide this preaching into three parts. All right? Amen? Okay, let's talk about the situation first. That's in Galilee. It's called Cana. This is where Jesus basically began his work, right? This is where he turned water into wine. And this is week one. Basically, that's what we did. And we all know that he actually traveled from Cana all the way to Capernaum, okay? Stayed there for a couple of days with his mother and some of the disciples. And they decided, they say, hey, it's Passover. Why don't we go to Jerusalem? So they went 81 miles back down, down south, okay, in Jerusalem, we all know what happened. Uh, Jesus basically went into the temple and he got actually mad about the money changers. You know what I'm talking about, right? This is, this is where it is, right? And then he decides to go all the way back to, to Galilee. But before going to Galilee, he says, why don't we stop by in Samaria in Sikar, okay? You all know this story where he meets a Samaritan woman, right? And he Tells about the Samaritan woman, what she did, and basically the whole village got saved. They understood who God was. There was no miracle. It was just the word of Christ or the word of Jesus, and they all believed in Jesus, right? You all know this. And then after Sikar, they went all the way back to Cana, right? Cana, just at the right time, the official son. Remember this, in week number two, right? We've studied this. Just enough time to meet the official son, and we all know what happened, the official son got healed instantly at the same time, right? And then, and then after that, he decides to go back again to Jerusalem. Travels down again. Walang kapaguran si Lord, no? Think about this. He goes down and then he goes to the pool of Bethesda. Remember that? From here um, in, in Jerusalem, he went back to Tiberias. This is where we are now, Okay. Week number four in Tiberias, basically um, near the Sea of Galilee, or what we call the Sea of Tiberias on this side. Okay, he travels here, and this was the extraordinary miracle that Jesus did. And I want to read in verse 1, after this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is what? The Sea of Tiberias, right? And in verse 2, a large crowd was following him. 
because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Can you imagine? So he was basically, you know, was famous. People knew what he was doing. So a crowd was following him. And in verse 3, he says there, Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now, you need to understand that uh, at this time, John the Baptist was executed by Herod. So it was not really a joyful time. It was a time of mourning for Jesus and his disciples. So they were, they were planning to go to a desolate place and just, you know, um, take a break from the ministry. But there was a large crowd that was following them. Now, the picture of the, the place in Tiberias is kind of like this today, all right? This is the picture of Tiberias. That's the Sea of Galilee on the right side. And this is probably the grass where, you know, Jesus fed the 5,000. You all remember this. Now, you need to understand that this, is, this happened between 6 to 12 months, okay? Uh, from, from the time that he, he, uh, he healed that, that the invalid in the pool of Bethesda, right? Um, on two accounts, Matthew and Mark, both of them writes the, the feeling of, of Jesus or the emotions of Jesus. They write that Jesus, upon seeing the crowd, he was filled with compassion. There was so much compassion that he says, you know, I've got to help this crowd. And all of those guys in, in Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke, they said, you know, the disciples wanted to send them away. But Jesus, because he had compassion on them, said otherwise. Okay? So get the picture? Now let's go to verse 4. It says there that now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. So we all know in um, a few weeks ago, they went also during the feast of the Passover. You all know this, right? So this timeline basically is about 6 to 12 months from the time they went to the, from the first Passover to this Passover. So you get in the picture? Because it was becoming late and they were in a remote place, Jesus wanted to do something for the crowd. Because this crowd who was following them were actually following them for three consecutive days. That's how long it was. And the reason why John says, now the Passover, the Feast of the Jews was at hand, meaning most of them are pilgrims. They were on their way to Jerusalem. And they were yet following Jesus. We all know that if you go to Jerusalem, you're there to sacrifice, to worship at the temple. But here it was, the crowd following Jesus. And then in verse 5, it says, they're lifting up his eyes. Then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? See, the heart of God really, just amazing. Think about that. Uh, you know, the, to the minds of the disciples, they say, you know, why don't you send them home? Because there are a lot. So he said this to Philip, okay? Jesus said to Philip, why is that? Because Philip was from the town, okay? If you were a local in that area, you'd probably know where to buy food, okay? So Philip was the man. He was the one who knew everything. He's, in verse 6, he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. So Philip, being there, knowing everything from there, I mean, he's the right person that Jesus would ask. Where can we buy some food? But Jesus already knew what to do. He knew everything, you know, because he's God, right? 
But he did this to test the faith of Philip. And what did Philip say? Let's find out. In verse 7, he says, Philip answered him, 200 denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. So instead of pointing Jesus to where to buy the food, here's Philip telling, you know, uh, Jesus, 200 denarii will not be enough to pay everything here. You know, 200 denarii is about 10,000 pesos today. That's 10,000 pesos. Way back in, in, in the time of Jesus, I don't know, 10,000 pesos, not today actually. If you think about it, the value was even greater. That's how much it would take to feed the 5,000. Now, many times when God would ask us to do something for Him, we, we have this tendency to really question His ways, right? Sometimes we, we feel that we're, we're more better than God. You know, we think better than God. You, do, you, do you experience that once in a while when, when God tells you something and then, take a moment, Lord, that's not possible. You need to understand this is how I see it. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of mentality Philip had. That's the kind of understanding he had. He didn't see it from God's eyes. He saw it from his eyes. And he's saying, no, Lord, that will cost us a lot. So instead of him just saying, Lord, this is the way to buy the food, right? So, guess who? One of his disciples, Andrew, comes in the picture, Simon Peter's brother, and said to him, there is a boy. Everybody say, there is a boy. This boy was Filipino. Si boy eh. But there was this boy. And the Bible says, he had five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Do you realize that barley loaves were actually a poor man's meal? This bread. It's not those, um, I don't know, focaccia bread. Okay? It's not a social bread. Um, it's probably lower than our premium pandesal. I don't know what it is, but it's a poor man's meal. That's what he had. Andrew almost... He almost got it. He says, look, Lord, we have five loaves and two fish. But what did, what did Andrew say? It wouldn't be enough, Lord. He doubts. He steps back and says, what would five loaves and two fish do for 5,000 people? Now, mind you, 5,000, according to Matthew, 5,000, basically 5,000 is the household, meaning if you are the husband or the father, they counted you as one. So we're talking about 5,000 families. You multiply it. You multiply it by four. Basically, diba, the, um, you have mom, dad, and two kids. Basically, the average family size would be four. So you're talking about 20,000 people. Are you getting the picture? We are only probably here around 800 or 900 so we're talking about times 11 or 12. That's how much it was. I mean, I don't know how I can feed you today. But the source was one boy with five loaves and two fish. See, through our own human eyes, there will always be a shortage. Do you realize that? No matter what you do, when you look at your situation, you will always see it as shortage. I have experienced that many times. No matter how I look into my bank account, 
it's always short. Okay? You know what I'm talking about? When you have, when payday comes, diba, it came to pass. You know, it just passes you by. It's all out. Okay? That's how it is. That's how people actually look at their limitations. When you look at the realities of life, there is so much limitations that it is so hard to teach this mind of ours that there is far more than what meets the eye. We miss out on that. And that's a problem. This is the test that Jesus was giving to Philip and even Andrew. So what did Jesus do? In verse 10, he says, Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was much grass in the place. So the men sat down about 5,000 in number. Um, You've seen the picture, right? The grass. Yeah, it's exactly where it is. Um, Jesus asked them to sit down. What was the purpose of that? Matthew records it this way. He, He actually arranged people to sit down by 50s, by 100s. It was how Jesus, you know, thought about it. Very organized. It's amazing how God is. He organizes things. So that's, there's going to be an easy distribution of food. Because it's kind of hard like this. Uh, just imagine if everybody will just grab the food. I mean, if this is the five, five loaves and two fish and everybody, you know, comes in front, go grab it. And, you know, I don't know. That's chaotic. But that's how Jesus planned it. But I believe... Jesus asked them to sit down so that they will see one of the greatest miracles that Jesus had to perform. Jesus was on top of the mountain, and yet they were about to see what God will do with the little things. And this is where where we come in and we look at the sign. What was the sign all about? Really, it's just amazing how, how, how Jesus made it known to the people about this miracle. Let me read in verse 11. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. Jesus prayed, he gave thanks, and with that, he started distributing this five loaves and two fish. And to the amazement of a lot of people, I don't know, it's kind of like you give from the basket, uh, five loaves, one, two, three, four, five for one family and two fish. Poop, it'll pop again. It's like a never-ending, you know what I'm saying? I don't know, if you, if you picture it, there's a basket. You have five loaves and two fish. Every time you've gi- you give, poop, it's just there. And then you give it again, it's there again and again and again. It's an amazing sight. I tell you that keychain was one of the, you know, one of the closest, perhaps the closest thing that I have ever experienced the miracle of God. But this time, looking it multiply for 20,000 people, that's amazing. I heard of one preacher mention this, I don't remember who, but he said this, that with the little that you have, when placed in the hands of God, can multiply. How many of you agree with that? Let's look at what happened in our story. In verse 12, it says, And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. In other words, this miracle unfolding the, right before their eyes, they get their fill. They're so stuffed already. You know, there's a, I heard this from Pastor Ariel this morning, this afternoon, he says, there are three levels of uh, being full. Yeah. Una, busog. 
In Filipino, ha? if you're Filipino, it's busog. Yung pangalawa, busog na busog. Yung pangatlo, bundat. Yun daw yun. And sabi nga, how will you know kung, kung bundat ka na? Sabi ni Pastor Sunny, pagkakasing tigas na yung noo mo sa chan mo. Sabi niya yun. And I'm just imagining, I'm just, you know, we're just, we're just talking around. But I could just imagine that all the people had their fill. That means they were, they, were, they were getting as much as they would want. I'm sure all of you have had a chance to eat in a buffet meal, right? How many of you enjoy eating in a buffet? There is a limit, right? After going through all, you want to eat everything that your eyes can see, but you just cannot put it there anymore, right? Kaya nga, after that, you need some, ane, some medication diba? after that. And that's probably how it was. They got their fill. But not only that, the Bible says, when they had eaten, they gotten their fill, He told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. Why is that? Why is that? So there were leftovers. Why is that? You see, Jesus is a generous God. We know that, right? But He is not wasteful. He's always purposeful. He doesn't want anything to be wasted. Move on to the verse 13. Says, so they gathered them up and filled what? Twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Now, many scholars believe that this refers to the twelve tribes of Israel. Okay, that they will soon, that Jesus will soon gather to himself, and that will be probably in the last days. Okay, that's what they believe, all right? But today, I got this from Pastor Ariel. He says that this is what I believe. He believes that there were 12 basketfuls for the disciples. It was for them anyway, because he asked them, you know, to gather up. Then there were 12, and there were 12 disciples. Why is that? And this is what, what Pastor Ariel says. I believe that this signified that Jesus can supply all your needs. There's always more than enough if you follow Christ. That's what he was saying. It's an amazing thing. But what was the reaction of the crowd? Okay, we know about the disciples, right? But what was the reaction of the crowd? In verse 14, it says, When the people saw the sign that he has done, they said, this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Wow. This is it. He will end world hunger. Can you imagine if we, if we vote this guy and put him as king over us, there will be no more hunger. Can you imagine? Nobody, there's no more poverty. That's what they were thinking. They were actually thinking about the Old Testament days. They remembered the prophetic word of Moses. They remembered the time when God provided manna from heaven. You all know this, right? They remembered what Moses said. It's written in Deuteronomy. It says that the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. That's in Deuteronomy 18, 15. In other words, they were looking to this prophecy of a Messiah who would be king. That's why they were so excited. Why? Because they were oppressed by the Roman Empire. Okay? Rome was there. Herod was there. Remember, I showed you the, the temple and then the, the barracks and, you know, Herod was there. 
The Roman soldiers were there. And then they see this. Finally, the prophecy being fulfilled right before their eyes. They saw him. They saw him multiply food. They were happy. But is this really the reason? Could this be just, you know, just them looking into themselves? So verse 15 says, Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. Think about that. Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. They wanted Jesus so bad. They wanted him to be king right away because this is the prophetic word that was spoken by Moses. The Jews expected that when the Messiah came, what will happen? He would overthrow the Roman, the Roman Empire and then he will provide bread. They don't have to bake anymore. <laughs> I don't know what kind of bread Jesus baked that day or multiplied that day, but you know, they kept on saying, you know, we want this bread. Imagine that. Ending world hunger. Moreover, the crowd was willing to support him because really, having Jesus there, commanding everything, it's like the time of King David and King Solomon. It's kind of like that. That's what they were thinking. It was of political reason why they want Jesus. That was the very reason. So the question is today, is what is the significance of this miracle that Jesus performed? Now, we all know that Jesus does not do things, you know, by accident. We all know that, right? We all know that Jesus, He's, he's very strategic, purposeful, right? That's how he, how he does things. There has to be a purpose. There has to be significance why He did give this public miracle. Most of the miracles Jesus did was, you know, one-on-one -on -one thing, like the invalid, right? It was just one man. About the official sons, a few of them. How about the, the wedding in Cana? Nobody knew that, that it was water that turned to wine. But this time, it was so public. Jesus, in other words, had a purpose for this. And among all the synoptic gospels all right, that was written, John wrote this, this particular gospel, and he went over Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He went beyond the sign. If you go look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll find out that they ended in the feeding of the 5,000. But John goes beyond that to explain to us what the sign was all about. We are going to skip a few verses from here. Why? Because that's our next week's um, topic, all right? So if you're going to chapter 6, we're going to... If you're following along with your Bible, it's just like we're going to you know, go forward so that you don't get next week's um, preaching. Now, let's see. Verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Now, when Jesus withdrew from the crowd, remember that? They didn't see him, right? And what had happened was, the following day, the following day, the crowd was still looking for him. They wanted Jesus. Jesus was like a celebrity, okay? He's like so popular now, <laughs> There's about 20,000 people, not just 5,000, but 20,000 people going after Jesus, wanted something from Jesus. The crowd wanted him for the wrong reason. And Jesus knew this. That's why he withdrew from the crowd. Now, Jesus himself now unpacks the meaning of the sign. And he says in verse 26, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, 
Not because you saw the signs or saw signs, but because you what? Ate your fill of the loaves. In other words, gutumin talaga kayo. You are after food. See, most of the people wanted Jesus for what He could give us. Healing, right? Restoration of everything, your health, your marriage, your relationship. It's all good. Provisions, right? They were looking for provisions, breakthroughs, and many more. Jesus knew from the start that they were after something else, which is being fed, which is, I want to seek you because I want something from you. That's how it was. You see, most people come to Jesus for the blessing, but not the blesser. There's nothing wrong with blessings, don't get me wrong, right? How many of you want to be blessed? Yeah, there's nothing wrong. To, you know, that's okay. But if we miss the blesser, if we miss the one giving the blessing, we're missing a whole lot. Don't miss the blesser. The only reason why the people or the crowd follow Jesus is because of the things that Jesus can provide for them. You know how it is when, as a, as a father, I'm a dad, okay? I have three kids. And... My experience with my kids, amazing, amazing kids. I have amazing kids. Love them, love them. But, but, okay, the only time that they will knock on my, my door and bedroom is, Dad, are you there? Yes. Because they have some, Dad, can you give me allowance? You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like that. After giving the allowance, okay, bye. They're gone. And if you were the dad, God, it's just not right. And if you were Jesus, you just gave and fed them, given them everything, and then they forget about it. They want something else. How does Jesus feel? How would God feel if the only reason you come to church, you come to the prayer meetings, you come to the worship, is because you want something that He has to offer? It's kind of painful, right? I mean, if you were Jesus, right? And that's how Jesus felt with the, with the crowd. They wanted something else. So what was Jesus' response? In verse 27, He says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on Him, God the Father has set His seal. In other words, God the Father approves of Jesus. You know, there are many things that the world may offer us. Fame, fortune, wealth, everything. But as good as what the, the world can offer us, the truth is, it does not last long. In other words, it does not satisfy us forever, right? It's called the law of diminishing returns. If you are... <laughs> An economist. You all know that the law of diminishing returns? Kind of like this. If, you, if you're so thirsty, you're super thirsty, and you got a glass of water, that glass of water is so precious to you, you'll drink it and gulp it and say, wow, that is so refreshing. Then you get another glass, right? Glass of water. Then you, you drink it again and say, yeah, good. On the third, on the fourth, and the fifth, and finally on the whole picture, of water, you said, oh, no, that's enough. So the satisfaction level becomes lessened as you keep on having it. 
It's just an amazing thought. All of us go through life with the law of diminishing returns. In other words, all the things that you have today, it diminishes. The satisfaction level, it diminishes. It does not fulfill you as it did the first time. That's the reality. You know, someone once said that man's needs have never been satisfied because we can get filled with all that the world has to offer. But come tomorrow, you'll be hungry again for these things, right? Right? It doesn't satisfy you. How many of you used a Motorola, you know, at one point in your life? Natawa kayo, no? Yes. Yes, way back in the 90s. 80s pa to, di ba? Meron pa to, di ba? This was the first cell phone. Social ka na pag meron ka niyan. It cost you about forty to 60,000. Kind of like that before. So they said, you know, this one, it's too big, it's too heavy, I'm not satisfied. Let's make it smaller. So we have this one. And so, now, we have what we call the evolution of all the cell phones. From the before and to the now. Alright? So we now have, they have a Galaxy, whatever, whatever, whatever. It does not stop, right? In fact, it does not stop there. How many of you have iPhones? Come on. iPhones. They started with iPhone. iPhone 2. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. May 5S. May 4S ba? Meron, di ba? May 4S. Meron, 4S, 5S, 6, di ba? 7, 7. I don't know. Maybe this, on the next, probably it's going to be iPhone 10. Okay? <laughs> Of the tallest phone ever yet. You know, iPhone 10. I don't know. How about, you know, I, iPhone 10s probably would look something like this. Or 20. iPhone 20. If you're not satisfied, there's more. Go for an iPhone 30s. People are not satisfied. Some people have, you know, I mean, how many cars can you really drive? Wow, all red. How many can you really drive at one time? One car lang naman, di ba? Although because of the coding, you need two cars, right? Diba? How about you ladies? Ladies, how many bags can you really actually use in a day? How about, you know, uh, how about shoes? How many shoes do you really have in your closet? Ah, right, kulang. You have all sorts of colors. And for the men, okay, uh, guilty, uh, guilty. Nakas, guilty, no? Guilty. Medyo, nagkaroon kami ng, ano eh, craze. It's a craze. Just, you know, temporary craze. We went vintage and we went for watches. Okay, for men, how many of you love watches? Oh, diba? We love watches. How about travel? There's a, an ad that says, We travel not to escape life, but for life not to escape us. Ah, profound. Yes, that is so true. <laughs> Who will this satisfy you? Eh? Does it really satisfy you? It diminishes, right? After going to that vacation... Ito na naman. Trabaho na naman. Sayang. How about this? How many of you long to be married? Oh. How about this? Think a family can satisfy you? You think having a family can satisfy you? Is this the end goal of life? Being married and having family? J.D. Greer says, our soul craving is not for something, but for someone. And until we have been reunited to that someone, our souls will always be famished and corrupted. That's a reality. Our soul is craving for something. 
It has never been satisfied. There's something missing. There's always that void. No matter how much or how many, how many stuff you have in the house, it does not satisfy you. It just can't. Sometimes we think our marriage can satisfy us in life, our family, but that's not it, right? And he says, J.D. Greer says also that the state of the human soul is hungry. It is a hunger that comes from being separated from God. Our souls were made to be satisfied with God and His love. No wonder, no wonder we couldn't be satisfied. There's always this void. You see, the people, the crowd, were looking for something else. Okay? That's why Jesus says not to work for these kinds of things because it's temporary. It perishes. But Jesus says to work for things that are eternal. Don't work for things that are temporary. Life is not about, you know, the fancy cars that we drive, the fancy clothes that we wear. It's not about, you know, get up, sports, sports up. I don't know. It's not about those things. Life is not about those things. So the question is, what is Jesus really trying to reveal? And you can find this in verse 35. And this is Jesus already revealing this. No other gospel, not in Matthew, Mark, or Luke, mentions this. But John records this. Very, very important. And this is what Jesus said to them. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. In other words, I'm not just giving you bread. I'm giving you me. Moi. That's what Jesus was saying. You like the bread? That's not it. I am the bread of life. Sometimes we are so blinded that we don't see Jesus right in front of us saying, Hey, I am. I am the one you need. I'm the only one you need. But yet we settle for secondary bread. The bread that does not last. Kind of like the manna from heaven. Remember that they collected that every single day. Then they can't keep it, right? Because it perishes, right? But this time God brings down bread from heaven that does not perish. He is the bread of life. He is the bread that we, we can, you know, we will be satisfied can you imagine you will never be hungry again? Sarap nun, di ba? Papaya tayong lahat. But this is the bread of life. All we need to do, he says, is to believe. Everybody say believe. Which lands me to my main point this evening. Only Jesus can satisfy our hungry souls. Amen? Nothing else in this world can. Only Jesus. In verse 53, he says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Ouch. You know that when the disciples of Jesus, because there were other disciples apart from the 12 disciples, and you can find this in verse 66. It says there that His disciples... Upon hearing this, in verse 66, let me just read that. 
after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with Jesus. Can you imagine that? It was a hard teaching for them. Because they could not imagine how it is to be a cannibal. I don't know. They're not getting it. Why? Because they're looking through physical eyes. They're not seeing from spiritual eyes. What Jesus was revealing to them that, you know, you are hungry. The hunger that you have is really a hunger of the soul. That no one can satisfy except me. That's why Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. J.D. Greer says this, that the bread here is a great picture of the gospel. In order for bread to do your body any good, it has to be broken, right? You don't eat the bread. How many of you ate a loaf of bread altogether? You can't do it, right? But this is really a picture of the gospel. You need to break this bread. Just like Jesus was broken at the cross. So that we can partake of this bread, so that we can partake of Jesus, His body had to be broken and badly bruised. That's the kind of what Jesus was saying. Unless you eat of my flesh, unless you partake of what will happen, unless you see me die for you, there will be no life. He was pointing to eternity. And then he says there that, you know, unless that the blood of Jesus be poured out, there will be no forgiveness of sin. And many of the people of Israel would only want a physical king with them, political king, but not the king of kings, the one that would satisfy them, the bread of life. See, the meal for our starving souls is the bread of his presence. The water or the blood cleanses us, provides us eternity with Him. Unless, he says, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of His blood, you have no life with you. Unless you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there will be no life in you. Amen? So I want you to bow down your heads right now. Take this moment just to be with God. Amen? Just close your eyes, bow down our heads. Jesus is so clear. He says that unless you eat of me, unless you drink of my blood, unless you accept me as your Lord and Savior of your life, there will be no life that is everlasting. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to take this opportunity for you to lift up your hand right now and say, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus today. If that is you, I want you to lift up your hand. Anybody else? Anybody? Just lift it up right now before God say, Yes, I see that hand. Just lift it up. Anybody else? Yes. Just lift it up before God. Yes, I see those hands. Thank you. If you're lifting up your hand right now, just, just say this prayer with me. Just follow after me as I pray for you. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I come before you a sinner needing a Savior. I know that I have sinned against you, Lord God. 
I have seek something else besides you. So today, I make a confession that Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe in my heart that you have died on the cross for my sins and that you have risen from the dead so that I may have life, eternal life, life that is fullest. So today, thank you, Lord God, that I am forgiven. Today, Lord God, that I can partake of your body and your blood, that I can partake in this communion that we will have. Thank you, Lord God, that I have life, eternal life with you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.